Hey guys, this is Dale Tedder, and welcome to the Walking Points podcast for today. Today we're going to be continuing our Theology for Men series, and in particular we're going to be talking about C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the second letter from the senior demon Screwtape to the young demon in training, Wormwood, about how to... Uh, keep this young man who just became a Christian, to keep him from growing, in fact, uh, even better, to get him back where he belongs, safely on the devil's side, at least from their perspective. So that's what we're going to be talking about today on the Walking Points Podcast. Hey guys, this is Dale Tedder. Uh, welcome to our Walking Points podcast for today, and as always, I'm here with David Preston. Dave, thanks for being here. Good afternoon. Hey, uh, today we're going to be talking about the second letter of C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, and uh, this is the edition that I'm using. There's a million of them. What do you have? you have the same one? I have the same one. Have the okay, same one. Uh, that's right. Well, anyway, um, so we're going to be talking about letter two, and it's interesting because this morning I taught my Bible study this particular lesson, so it'll be interesting to see if if anything kept in my brain between uh, 11 a.m. and now. It's not always a guarantee. But um, anyway, the study guide that we're using goes through all 31 letters and kind of hits the highlights of what each uh, chapter or what each letter is about. And this one he talks about uh, – it's sort of the, the wisdom of the senior demon to the junior demon, and this one's called Distracting the Christian Mind. Right. Distracting the Christian Mind. And um, the big idea for this one is he says you what, what you want to do is you want to, uh, how does he put it, attack the man's spiritual immaturity. Um, at this juncture in the man's, or the patient, as they call him, um, He's just beginning his uh, Christian walk. He had just become, last time you and I talked about him being, you know, before he became a Christian and, you know, how you distract him, but he blew it and he became a Christian. Mm -hmm. And right. he says, in fact, this is worth reading. Um, he says, uh, there's no need to despair, Wormwood, about your man becoming a Christian. Hundreds of these adult converts have been reclaimed after a brief sojourn in the enemy's camp and are now with us. So there's that idea that, hey, all is not lost. Just because this guy became a Christian or professed to become a Christian, there's no reason to lose hope. Uh, you know, we still have a shot at him here. And so right. really everything else from the book, from, from this chapter on, is about how to derail him um, from his, his walk with Christ. And uh, if, if you don't, if we don't see the immediate implications for, you know, men, you know, we, we never will because this is so relevant uh, and obviously for women as well. But, you know, we're thinking about, you know, how can we connect with men, uh, whether we're talking about, you know, you and I are both pastors. So how can we connect with men at our churches? Uh, we, we minister to men in a variety of contexts. And what I like about this book is he really identifies lots and lots and lots of ways that you know, we run into obstacles along the way. And right now he's talking about the very early stages of the Christian faith for a person. And uh, he says, you know, right now the guy's very young in his faith, very immature. 
and there are lots of ways to attack him, to cause him to stumble. You know, again, he's using the personification of this conversation between these two demons. And, you know, how the devil plants thoughts in our mind, I don't know how all that works, but I know I have enough temptation in my own heart uh, that I don't need a lot of assistance (laughs) (laughs) because, um, you know, I'm far from fully formed uh, in Christ. But um, I wanted to ask you a question, and it's one of the things that we were talking about. And I thought this was great. He said, I mean, great in a really sad way, but he said, why does screw tape suggest all the habits of the patient, both mental and bodily, are still in our favor? And what he's talking about there is this guy is a brand new Christian. He doesn't have a lot of uh, what we might call sanctified habits yet. Right. You know, the spiritual disciplines are not fully alive in this guy yet. And so he's carrying around all these habits, you know, from his pre-Christian days. And he says, those things are still in our favor. Um, what do you think he means? What is he getting at there, do you think? I, I would think, yes, the habits and also also the dispositions. If you think about that, the thing that struck me as I was reading that that first section, as he's, as he's talking about, it's, it's, it's the way that, first of all, the way that he looked at other people. That's the basic lay, way that he, had, that he had that he forms as an attack is use that comparison. When you come into church, mm-hmm. see sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so, and you know, they're, you know, an oily grocer or something, you know, uses sort of this, and, and it's the, and it's that sort of judgmentalism. Mm-hmm. And it's also, like you say, that we, he, he is not fully formed yet. You know, all of us have that danger to think that we've got it all together. And right. as a young Christian, he doesn't have it together at all, mm-hmm. and it's very easy for him to get lulled away, lulled away from the right direction and into the wrong right. things. And that's the the danger of of the church is that it beca- religiosity takes the place of a true walk with Christ. Right. You know, and out of that religiosity, it's the the hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. It's the you know that he sees the perceived hypocrisy. The you know how he views the other people. The, you know, and he, and he tells the the war, you know Warman to to cultivate that sort of judgmentalism and that sort of comparison yeah. instead of comparing you know for him comparing himself to Christ you know mm-hmm. using Christ as a standard comparing those other Christians and he's always going to be disappointed yeah you know and so so it's that it's it's keeping that worldly viewpoint that mm-hmm. that that hard hearted viewpoint um, my mind is on that because that's one of the scriptures I was looking at and this week is the scripture of the sower. And the idea that, you know, our hearts have to be broken down like soil is broken down. All soil starts out as rocks. And so for him, his heart, the young Christian, their heart is still relatively hard, or there's still a lot of it that are like those places in the story where it's easy for the the plant to come up, but it's just Mm -hmm. as easy for it to be withered and taken away because there's no deep roots. Right. There's no deep roots. That's the, that's the problem. And it is, it's the habits. It's the, we've talked about before the idea of muscle memory. That's how athletes are able to, to do the things that they do. You know, the golfer, you know, Tiger Woods or whoever it is walks up there to the golf ball and they don't think about how they're swinging. They whip that club back and they go and it just happens because they've done it 
thousands and thousands and thousands right. of times before. And so right. as young Christian, as a young Christian, as old Christians, we can fall into this trap just as easily, you know, is yeah. we, we don't have that pathway developed very well. And so when we get kind of out there, we don't have those things we can fall back on. Yeah. So it's easy to go back, back the other way, back right. the wrong direction to keep slicing them out in the woods. In other words. <laughs> right. Well, I asked my Bible study uh, this morning. I said, I got a question. Actually, I have two questions for you. The first question is this. You know, what does it take to cultivate good habits in our lives? You know, so discipline, you know, consistency and, you know, lots of good answers and good conversation about that. And I said, now, let me ask you this. What does it take to cultivate bad habits? And bless her heart, one person said nothing. And I said, that's right. If you want to cultivate bad habits, do nothing. Those things will spring back into action. And it's interesting we do know stories of people who maybe uh, somebody had been addicted to alcohol or to drugs or something like that. And they came to faith in Christ. And you probably have heard stories or know people. I know I have. And they came to Christ and miraculously God gave them victory over that particular thing. Not that they were sinless in other areas of their life, but for that, they lost that desire. I know that's not the majority report, but I have heard stories like that. But I said, for most of us, that's not how it works. When we come to faith in Christ, you know, we're bringing with us years and years and years of certain habits uh, from our viewing habits, our listening habits, our habits of mind. Uh, I mean, just hard habits. Yeah. I mean, just on and on and on we could go. Those don't all of a sudden just dissipate as soon as we, you know, trust in Jesus as our savior. And so we're trying to undo habits, which is why the Apostle Paul says in several places, you know, we're going to have to put off the old man. You're not, just you're not just adding new habits that are good. You're dying and killing off the bad habits, you know, so that you're replacing, you're replacing, it's kind of a replacement theology in that sense. You're replacing the, uh, the bad habits with the good habits. Um, now, it's certainly, absolutely, which we're going to be talking about, as you were pointing out, uh, an attitude of our hearts and minds, um, our motivation, our desires, those things have to be brought under, uh, I guess you could say, submission to Christ and the influence of the Holy Spirit. But there is that still that practical component of you can't be doing the same stuff you used to do because that influences the heart and mind. And um, one of the scriptures that we'll be talking about uh, next time will be that idea of you know submitting ourselves to the will of God and showing that we love him by obeying him. But right now we're still fighting off some old habits. And when he's in prayer in this lesson, you know, when it talks about attacking him at the point of prayer, as you put, you know, all those old habits start, you know, coming to the front and uh, being exposed. And it's pretty interesting to see how C.S. Lewis taps into that idea of, those old habits are still in our favor right now. So highlight those in his mind. Right. Keep those, keep those active because it's too easy to fall back into those, those easy right. pathways. And that's what it is. Right. It's inertia. You know, inertia mm -hmm. is one of the most powerful forces in the universe. Mm -hmm. And if it's heading in one direction and our lives are like that, you know, it takes a very powerful force to get them going in a different direction. <clears throat> and it takes that force acting for a period of time, you know, yeah. uh, to make that change occur. Well, one of the things that this is related to what you were saying a minute ago, C.S. Lewis writes, 
one of our great allies at present is the church itself. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, he starts talking about all those. <laughs> one of the things that cracked me up was he says, just put into the guy's mind. Again, how that works, I don't know. But he says, you know, he walks in and says, when he walks in the church and he sees all these people, he goes, these are all the people I've been trying to avoid socially my entire life. Now I have to go to church with them. Yes. And, and so all of a sudden you start tuning in to the grocer, the woman who's, uh, you know, got a bad wig on or the, the, the boots that slosh when they walk in. And it's just all these annoyances and things he can't stand in other people. He said, you know, keep those in front of everybody. And that way the, you the church really is one of the best ways to derail him, which is a sad commentary, actually. But what do you think about that? And, and you know, and I think that it is true that it is as true today as it was in those days. And in, in so many ways, um, I, I was, it was brought to mind to me, the old Groucho Marx, you know, I don't know that I would want to belong to a country club that would have me as a member. Right. Um, and, <laughs> you know, and so, but that it so often is that that case, the case in the church, I know in, for instance, when I did youth, uh, the thing that got me so often was that you would have, of course, you have kids that are going to act up, do all kinds of things. You have all different high 57 variety of kids and you have the parents that go, well, can't you do something about those kids? Or we don't really want those kids coming to our youth group. You know, right. and my thing is, is, well, this is the church. Where else are they going to fit in? Where else can they be accepted? And how else are they going to hear the gospel? How else are they going to come to that understanding, mm-hmm. you know, to sort of, and, and so it is, that sort of judgmentalism that's there of, of people, right. um, you know, it, it, you know, sort of looking down that way. And I, and I've run into that. I've run into that certainly in churches and certainly it's easy to, it, it's comparison, you know, it's comparing yourself to somebody else. And isn't that a trait? Isn't that something we do to, as men, especially mm-hmm. you know, is we can be that, you know, well, gee, he's, his car is, you know, two years older than mine, you know, or, right. uh, you know, uh, his, his he, he doesn't make this at his job, or they don't have a swimming pool at their house. It becomes what you have right. in the modern world, especially. And that happens in the church, sadly, as well, you know, um, mm. and, and it can also become this idea of religiosity, you know, the look at me, I'm on all the committees, I'm donating the money, I'm doing all the things, right. as opposed to really having a genuine relationship with Christ. Yes, you should be doing all those things. You should be, you know, you should be giving, you should be doing, you should be involved but out of love and out of response, not out of a desire to, to, to show you're better than somebody else. Right. And those things really flow out of the relationship. They flow out of having been saved by Christ, not, yes. in, not in an effort to earn something or to merit his favor. He's already shown his favor. And therefore, you do those things in response to what he's done in your life. Let me ask you this. You talked about men just a second ago. What, you know, I know you can't get inside the mind of every man. But what do you think men are looking for when they walk into a church? Let's say a guy, maybe he's going to church because his wife, you know, the old saying, he's got a drug problem. She drug him to church. Um, he's there. He wants to be a, you know, a good model for his kids, maybe, or his wife brought him there. Or for that matter, maybe he's trying to make social connections with other people. Uh, you know, maybe he's there for a lot of reasons, none of which have to do with his faith in Christ. Or maybe like this guy, he's brand new. And he says, you know, I think I'll give it a go. I think you're supposed to go to church. Uh, That's what they tell me. And um, what do you think, what do you think he's expecting to experience when he walks into a church? I mean, from the, the building itself to the, you know, the pastor to the people around him, 
what is going through guys' minds when they encounter walking into a church for the first time? You know, I think it, it probably, it, it, well, as I think about that, I think there are probably a couple of different guys, like you say, you can't sort of look in every guy's mind, but I would say there's sort of two approaches to that. One is the guy that nowadays has never been in a church before. Uh, and those are more and more people. They really right. do have no idea. I had a kid in the youth group. The girl came walking in one day and she says, wow, this is a church. So this is, what do you guys do here? You know, <laughs> had no idea whatsoever. Um, and then you have the person who has gone to church and has fallen away. So you have two different things that are going on that someone, you know, whenever they're coming into a church situation. So I would say on the one hand, somebody has no idea what they're looking for. I don't know if they're right. thinking that you have people that are up there sacrificing goats or something like that or <laughs> What you know? Let's hope not. Totally, you know. To, you're right. The person who has no idea, or the other person is. I would think. I would suspect the one who is a what what we call in the language of the church today, a done. Someone who has given up on the church. They've gone away. Been there. Now they've come back. Because, right, because their wife has drug them for whatever reason. Right. Um. You know. I'm sure they're probably they have a very negative expectation. Yeah. You know. Uh. They're going to be running to people that the people that they aren't necessarily going to, mm -hmm. going to want to have hung out with, you know, uh, they're going to expect people to sort of be fakey or hypocritical or whatever, um, you know? And so uh, again, it's, it's sort of hard to say, but I think that would be, they would be definitely looking for a negative experience. Let me ask you this. Do you think, because um, I think you're right on the money with a lot of that. Do you think that attitude causes a lot of guys to go in with a defensive posture? Yes. Um, I know, my vantage point on a worship service on a Sunday morning, uh, especially, especially uh, during our, you know, the portion where we're singing a hymn or we're singing praise music, depending on the nature of the worship service. And let me ask you, have you ever seen this? You know, if you could see me, my arms are crossed. Oh, yes. And the guy's oh, yeah. just standing there Absolutely. with this vacant look on his face at best and this total displeasure at worst, you know, like I would rather be anywhere on planet earth. When does the game start? Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just like, I think I probably take that for granted. I grew up in the church. Um, so I know that we sing at church, you know, especially good Methodists. We, we do a lot of singing in church. And if someone's new to that public singing is not something we do a lot in our culture anymore, is it? I mean, that's a, no, no, it really, it's, it's a new experience for a lot of people. And so the whole idea of I'm supposed to sing in front of all these people around me, are you kidding me? You know, I don't, what, what are your thoughts? Do you ever see that? Oh, I, oh no, absolutely. Um, I see that. I see, you know, you, and, 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 it, and it isn't just men. I've seen other, I've seen women too, but yeah, usually <laughs> it is. And it is because I think they really don't have any idea. They're not mm -hmm. comfortable singing in public. They're not really sure what they're supposed to do. Right. Um, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> what do I do with my hands? This is what I'm used to doing. Do I put them here, you know, do I do, I do right. a ball field routine or do I, <laughs> you know, here. Um, but, uh, and so, yeah, they really don't understand what's going on. And it, but so for some of them, it is sort of a, there is a little bit of a defiance that goes on. I've noticed that before among certain ones. And it's like, yeah. I'm not lending myself to this. Mm -hmm. Usually it's a discomfort. Uh, you know, I have to laugh because I have relatives that will, that will come to church, you know, come to the, you know, the, the twice a year, Easter and, and Christmas and so forth. And that's, most of them will at least pick out the hymnal and sort of look at it. Right. And I see the lips moving, even if they're not, 
not singing lustily, as John Wesley would say. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> their, their lips are at least moving, and they're sort right. of stumbling over things, you know, and so forth. But, but yeah, it, it is, uh, and and the mm -hmm. and not really knowing what to do, sort yep. of being lost, you know, right. while they're there. Um, and that is a thing in the church. I mean, that's a that's a that's a larger issue, you know, we because we do have so many people in the world today that haven't ever been in church before, and they really don't know what to do. That's something that makes them very uncomfortable. Well, I think yeah, that's an important point, and it's something I've experienced, you know, in, in the years of my ministry. I've seen people that were new to church again, but they had grown up in the church, but maybe they left in college, didn't come back until they had, uh, you know, children, got married, had children, whatever that may be. But, yeah, you're right that there's a lot of people now, church is a completely brand new experience not just a renewed experience, but there is no background. So a lot of that is, is new territory. But let me ask you this. We'll move, move from sort of the cynical, the guy who um, is there for every reason in the world other than his own desire, you know, whether he got drugged there by his wife or, or whatever it may be. But now think about the guy who really has come to faith in Christ, you know, and he's still a babe in Christ. He's still immature in his faith. Um, but he's sort of excited. He's looking forward, maybe a little bit nervous. You know, maybe this is going to be his first worship service or one of his first ones or something. And yeah, he sees people that are different than he is. And he's a little uncomfortable with some things that annoy him and stuff. But, uh, what do you think? And I'll kind of, I guess I'll, I'll lead the witness here. Um, what romanticized view of Christians do you think he might have? Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, I sometimes hear from people, you know, I expected to join the church and become a Christian, and all of a sudden all my problems would be gone, you know. Um, and I used to have a, I still do, I guess, uh, a friend who's a pastor, and he said, you know, Dale, I didn't know I had any problems until I became a Christian. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's, it's just kind of. It's just it's a whole new way of looking at things. But what kind of romanticized view of the Christian life of what God is going to do in your life do you think people have when they first enter into not just the church building, but into the faith? Well, and I think I think it's an extension of what really kind of what you said is the idea that they think all their problems are going to be solved. And right. by extension, they're going to be all these perfect people in there. You know, wow, yeah. look, there are all these wonderful, great people and they all treat each other so well and everybody's so nice and gets along. Right. You know, and and so forth. And, you know, the reality, as we know, in the church is that that's that's not always the case. You know, mm -hmm. There can be a lot of there's a place of a lot of absolutes, a lot of very you know, significant things that go on, significant issues that people deal with. And so you right. do get, you know, people have, people have issues um, yeah. in the church very often. Um, and so that turns people off. You know, I know of a case where that, that really made somebody very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever I, I talked about the fact, well, that, you know, the, the church, there is a political side to operating in the church and you get involved in it when you get beyond just being in the worship and you get yeah. to be a leader and they had a hard time with it. And I said, well, I recognize that. I, I had a hard time when I was younger, but I recognize that if I'm going to get anything done, if I'm going to accomplish anything for the kingdom of God, I have to organize myself in some way. And that's political. That's, that's what right. that is. That's what that comes down to. Just as an example of that, not to, you know, but, and so, you know, it's that people are still going to have things that go on and that we're still going to have to relate to each other. And so it's not going to, we're not just going to sit around singing hymns all the time. Yeah. You know? Praise God and all that kind of stuff. Right. I do think people, uh, especially again, when they're 
sort of optimistic about things uh, that they're going to walk in and everybody's going to have a halo and they're going to be there with all the saints. Um, and of course we are called saints and that we are set apart for Christ and um, from the world. But, you know, we still got stuff, you know, right. that we're, that we're dealing with. And, and unfortunately, you know, that's not all gone. And I really think people expect, you know, super holiness. And I think that's one of the reasons why hypocrisy is very often a charge against those in the yes. church, because they think, well, you're supposed to not be sinners anymore. You know, you're supposed to, and, and they, they have this view that Christians um, are going around saying we don't sin or something. I heard someone say one time, and this was the most helpful response to hypocrisy or to the charge of hypocrisy. He said, I think it was R.C. Sproul. He said, as far as I know, the church is still the only institution where before you join, you have to admit you're a sinner. You know, yeah. so it's, it's not people that are all cleaned up. And I'm sure there are plenty of, you know, plenty of hypocrites as there are in every sphere of life. But, you know, it's a place where we can go and minister to one another and care for one another and confess things to one another and struggle together and help build each other up. And that's what's so good about it. You know, that's uh, where we're all, we can all, I love the liturgy, you know, where in our communion service, where after the prayer of confession, then the pastor says, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And then the congregation says, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And we all say glory to God. And one of the things I have to tell folks who get a little concerned about that is I'm not forgiving you of your sins. I'm affirming the biblical truth that if you confess your sins, God is faithful to forgive you. And so, you know, we're assuming that we've actually confessed our sins together and we're we're affirming that truth that we are forgiven in Christ. And um, I think new Christians, you know, guys especially, if we could get them to understand that component, that you're not walking into a place where people think that they're perfect, where people think that uh, you know, they don't sin uh, and they're not judging you because you're still wrestling with stuff and that we're all in this together, I think that could probably, you know, perhaps take away some of that defensiveness to that. Yes. And, and I think that, you know, uh, well, what you and I are, have been so often involved in through our ministries, your, your main thing, you know, right now is in, as far as men's ministry is that process of taking those men like that and making them comfortable in the situation, mm -hmm. help them to, to, to bring them in to, to, uh, you know, to sort of reassure them, to, to get them involved in something beyond just sitting there singing hymns on Sunday morning. Right. And that's the thing that is a, attractive men, I think, is, is when we, you know, to put it in the old, you know, when we lift Christ up, people are attracted to it. And so when we lift Christ up, when we, we study about him, when we, we are in the word, when we are talking about what he calls us to do there and to, to be in the relationships, you know, to be in that community that he calls us to be a part of, when we do that and when we engage men, you know, they are brought together. They are right. transformed. There is a, you know, and so that, that, that it's beyond just coming and sitting in the, in the church on Sunday morning. Well, I think that's what was so valuable with our men's group this past Monday, uh, you know, where we break into some smaller groups and guys are sharing some things they're struggling with. Now it's not, it's not an hour and a half of moaning and groaning and ain't it awful and <laughs> all that sort of that thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. It's not a 19, 1970s encounter group or something, but, there is that sense of which, uh, hey, I need you to pray for me. You know, I'm, I've got some big decisions about X, Y, and Z, and um, 
I need you to, you know, I need some wisdom here, some counsel. And, you know, we dig into God's word together. We talk about it. Anyway, I think if guys could see that, I have had guys say I avoided coming to the men's group uh, for years because I thought everybody sat around a circle crying together (laughs) and and basically singing Kumbaya. So anyway, well, hey, let's wrap up this uh, uh, lesson for today. We're going to be talking about letter three next time, which is going to really focus on relationships and in particular, the patient and his mother. So we'll wrestle with that uh, next time. But Dave, thanks for being here today. And uh, hey, guys, thank you all for being here today as well. And uh, again, as always, if you want to check out and see some more things we have, you can check out my website, daletetter.com. And uh, appreciate you all being here and look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, Dave. Okay, have a good, good one. Well, guys, thanks so much for checking out the Walking Points podcast for men uh, today. If uh, this was good, if you enjoyed it, I hope you'll consider subscribing to it. Hey, also check out my website, daletetter.com. There I've got a lot of resources to help you out to grow in your faith as a Christian man. And uh, I'd also give you opportunities there to connect with my Facebook page, uh, my YouTube channel, on Twitter. Uh, There's some things there for you to check out. So thanks so much for uh, hanging out with me today, Uh, guys. Look forward to being with you next time.